All right. Welcome back, fourth graders. I'm excited to get back into our read alouds. I have missed reading to you this past week. Um, so we are reading Circus Mirandus by Cassie Beasley. And the last time we read, we read chapters five and six. And I'm going to do a quick little um, summary over each chapter just to kind of get us caught up. Chapter five was The Messenger, and we found out that The Messenger was named Chintzy, and it's actually a parrot. And so The Messenger has brought the letter from Grandpa Ephraim back to um, the gentleman, and I think I recall it is The Man Who Bends Light. And he seems to be a little bit grouchy, and um, The Messenger kind of has to brush up his knowledge on uh, the promise he kept or that the promise he had made to Grandpa Ephraim. Um, and then we got into chapter six, which was Ephraim's Beach. And we found out a little bit more about Grandpa Ephraim's family and his childhood. And we know that he has a father that went off to war and he would write letters to his father. And all the letters he wrote, he only received one back um, from his father. And um he was really, really sad. You know, he just missed his dad a lot. And so he would go to the beach to kind of feel closer to him or have some alone time to think about um, his life and what was going on. And at one point when he is at the beach, he notices that the wind changes and there's just something um, odd or unfamiliar about uh, his environment. And basically it talks about um, magic. And so he tosses a pebble across the water and it disappears without a splash. And so now he's thinking, I must be able to walk across this water. And of course he goes out and tries to do it, but then his feet sink into the water and kind of a funny thing happens. He gets a fish stuck in his left boot. But then despite the funny thing that happened, he could hear some music and it was not your normal classical or choir music. It was just something different. And so he decides to kind of go check it out. And so now we are on chapter seven, Jenny Mendoza. Even when your whole world was off balance, you still woke up in the morning to find there were a hundred perfectly ordinary things to do. For example, Micah's grandfather was very ill and Micah had just been told that magic was real, but he still had to get dressed and brush his teeth. He still had to choke down a bowl full of Aunt Gertrude's favorite fiber cereal for breakfast. And because his great aunt was not nearly as distracted as Ephraim's mother had been during that terrible war, Micah had to go to school. He stood in the front hall, the toes of his sneakers just touching the edge of the living room carpet. Anger Trudis sat on the sofa with her back turned toward him, staring at the television. The local weathermen were talking about what a pleasant April the town of Peel was having that year. Not a drop of rain last week, he said. The recreation department couldn't have asked for a better grand opening of the new downtown facility. You locked Grandpa Ephraim's door. I know. Can I at least go talk to him? Mike asked. I want to say goodbye. Anne Gertrudis didn't look away from the television. Brush your hair, Micah. You'll be late for the bus. Micah's hair never tangled. He didn't even own a hairbrush. But Anne Gertrudis refused to believe that. Please. I just want to make sure he's all right. She finally turned around. He's resting. I called Dr. Simon and we've agreed to increase the dosage on some of his medicines now that he doesn't have much time left. That will make him sleep more. Doesn't have much time left. The words didn't sound right coming out of Micah's mouth. They were muffled and flat like he was trying to talk with a pillow shoved against his face. Yes, her lips puckered to one side. You knew this was going to happen. 
I won't have you bothering him in his final days. Micah didn't repeat, final days? He couldn't take a deep enough breath because of the invisible pillow. His aunt turned back to the television, and I won't have him destroying what little sense you have with that ridiculous story. I saw those scraps of paper all over the room. Ephraim can't let that old joke go. A magical circus, she huffed. I hope you know he's making fun of you. Micah shook his head and realized she couldn't see him with her face turned toward the weatherman. No, he said quietly. You're wrong. What's that? Aunt Gertrudis asked, but Micah knew from the sharpness in her voice that she had heard him. A few minutes later, Micah stood by himself at the school bus stop. She's wrong, 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 he thought. The light vendor would come. Very soon, Micah hoped, and he would fix Grandpa Ephraim. Everything would go back to the way it was supposed to be. But what if something went wrong? Micah had hardly slept last night, imagining all of the terrible things that might happen. The light vendor might not come in time. If he did come in time, Aunt, Grud Aunt Gertrudis might not let him in the house. Or maybe he would send his parrot messenger back and tell Grandpa Ephraim that he had to come to Bolivia to get the miracle. But after yesterday, Micah was sure his grandfather was too sick to get out of bed. What would Micah do then? I would go to Bolivia for Grandpa Ephraim and explain everything to the light vendor, he thought. I would make him come back with me. He didn't know how he would do this, but he thought it enough time so that when Florence Grieber showed up to wait for the bus, Michael was half convinced that going to Bolivia would be a lot like taking a trip to the other side of the city, only it would take longer and you would have to change airplanes instead of buses. He was feeling almost calm and even a little happy until he saw what Florence was carrying. Florence was the only other fifth grader at Peel Elementary School who rode the bus with Micah, and when she staggered up on the stop, her red curls were barely visible behind the enormous model of an Egyptian pyramid that she was holding in both of her arms. Hey, Florence's voice came from behind the pyramid. The model was fantastic. Florence had even made statues out of clay to guard the pyramid's entrance. My partner's bringing paint so that we can do hieroglyphics today during group work, and then it will be done, she said. What do you think? Micah thought he should probably run away from the bus stop as fast as possible. He had completely forgotten he was supposed to be bringing an Incan artifact to school today. He left his hoop string on his grandfather's room, which might as well have been the moon with the way his aunt was behaving. Maybe Mrs. Stark would think he had gotten sick over the weekend. Jenny Mendoza was the smartest girl in class. She could probably finish the whole project by herself. She could probably do a better job without Micah's help. It's good, isn't it? said Florence. It's great, Micah squeaked. Florence stretched her head up over the tip of the pyramid. She squinted at his backpack like she was trying to figure out if he had somehow stuffed an amazing project in it. What was he going to tell Jenny? They were supposed to be finishing their artifact today so they could give their presentation tomorrow. She might tell Mrs. Stark that Micah hadn't done his part and then Mrs. Stark would call Aunt Gertrudis. That would be not good at all. When the bus came, Florence kicked Micah in the leg to get his attention. What's wrong with you today? Help me get this thing on the bus. She yelped when he tried to make the pyramid out of her hand, or when he tried to take the pyramid out of her hand, so he dragged her back up the best steps for her instead. Florence tottered to the back, and Michael waited while she set the model up in its own seat and brushed a speck of lint off one of her miniature statues. I figured everyone else was going to do something small, she told Micah. Mine's going to be the best. Don't you think so? Normally, Michael wouldn't have thought so. On any other day, he would have thought that Jenny Mendoza... And her partner would have the best project, but since he was Jenny's partner, he nodded at Florence and wished that the driver would forget the way to Peel Elementary. The first thing Micah did when he got to school was check the arts and crafts closet in the back of the classroom for something, anything that he might be able to use for his project. 
After some digging, he found a ball of yarn that nobody had ever used before because it was an awful snotty color. He took it back to his desk and set to work, or at least he tried to. He found the picture of the coop in his book. The caption said the long string of knots was an ancient method of record keeping. The knots represented numbers and maybe even words so that an Incan could tell all kinds of things just by looking at them. Like how many uh, llamas had been sold last year? Michael thought this was a fascinating idea. Unfortunately, it wasn't easy, exactly easy to recreate while he was hiding his hands under his desk so that Mrs. Stark wouldn't see. He decided he would tie 24 different knots, one for each student in the class. Mrs. Stark might think that was a nice thing too. Jenny caught Micah's eye from across the room during the Pledge of Allegiance. She bounced on the balls of her feet and waved at him. He tried to smile back, but it was hard to make his lips move in the right direction. She didn't seem to notice. She grinned even wider and pointed toward a thick stack of papers on the corner of her desk. The report, she mouthed. A couple of the girls in the row behind Jenny giggled into their hands, and one of them waved excitedly at Micah and then rolled her eyes. Did they always make fun of Jenny? She was the newest student in their class. Micah knew she was smart, but he hadn't paid much attention to her otherwise. He had just assumed that she had a lot of friends because it seemed like everyone else did. It would be awful if people were cruel to her because Micah ruined their project. He started tying as soon as he sat back down. He should have been, or it should have been easy. Grandpa Ephraim liked to say that Tuttles and Knots went together like toast and cheese. And Micah had always been proud of how easily knot tying came to him. But for some reason, his fingers wouldn't work the way he wanted them today. He tried to tie a knot to represent Nathan Borgel, who sat at the desk in front of him. Nathan was tall and he had a chipped tooth. He was always in trouble for something. A Nathan Borgel knot would be big and sturdy and not too good looking. Micah knew hundreds of knots, but when he tried to tie Nathan into this snot-colored yarn, all he got was a tangle. Come on, come on, he thought. If Mrs. Stark called Aunt Gertrudis and told her Micah wasn't doing his work, well, what if she did something that kept him from helping his grandfather? He yanked on the yarn and looped it, pinched it, and finally, after what seemed like ages, he had a knot. A knot that was not anything like Nathan Borgle. Micah waited until nobody was looking in his direction, then he stared down at his hands. The knot was soft and smooth. It was almost as big as Micah's thumbnail, and though it felt warm against his fingers, the edges of it were beginning to fray. Micah swallowed hard. This was a knot unlike any other, but it wasn't what he had been trying to make. When he closed his hand around it, it didn't feel like any of the irregular knots he knew. It didn't feel like an ancient artifact. Somehow it felt like a person and not one of Micah's classmates. It felt like Grandpa Ephraim, warm and wonderful and coughing and wheezing and slowly, oh so slowly, coming undone. Micah stared up at the board and swam in front of his eyes while he held the knot that was somehow just like his grandfather close to his stomach. He picked up the yarn and tried again and again. He tied a dozen knots that were supposed to represent his classmates while Mrs. Stark wrote math problems on the board. He tied his grandfather a dozen times. Just before lunchtime, everyone swapped desks so that they would be sitting next to their partners. Micah sank in a seat and tried not to see the different artifacts appearing from backpacks and cubbies, but they were impossible to ignore. Florence's model was obviously the best. Nathan had brought a boomerang. Several other students had made paper mache masks. Some of the projects were kind of weird looking, and Giles Darby had obviously set, excuse me, sat on his miniature cardboard chariot, but every pair had something. Jenny trod over with her stack of paper in hand. Hi, she said. I've got everything we need. She turned an empty desk to face Micah and plopped down. He had just enough time to see that every page of her report had been color-coded with markers before she said, stop me if I say anything you don't agree with, and launch into the speech she had written for them. Micah should have interrupted her right away. The longer Jenny talked, the more he wanted to crawl under the desk and vanish. Jenny had come up with this discussion questions and made lists of fun facts to share with the class. 
it was going to be the best presentation in the whole fifth grade, definitely, except for the fact that Micah hadn't done his part. So that's that, Jenny finished breath- breathlessly. She beamed to him. Can I add anything you want about our artifact? Then she looked across the tops of the desk between them. She blinked. Our artifact, she said. What did you bring? For one wild moment, Mike imagined running over to Florence Grieber and stealing her pyramid and giving it to Jenny. But he was pretty sure Florence would smash him. She and her partner were bending over it with tiny paintbrushes in their hands. I'm really sorry, Jenny, he said. What for? Micah gulped. He saw realization steal the smile from her face. Her brown eyes got wide, her lips pursed like she wanted to spit, but couldn't because her manners were too good for that. I don't, I don't understand, she said. She started twisting one of her two black braids around her fingers nervously. We discussed this together on Friday. You agreed that you would make the model if I did the report. I know, I, I don't understand, she said again. Micah could tell by the shrillness in her voice that she really didn't. It's due tomorrow. Micah didn't know what to say. Jenny was yanking on her braid now. He took a deep breath and pulled his handful of knotted yarn out of his desk where he stuffed it. He pushed it toward her without looking at it. Oh, said Jenny. It's a whoop? Sort of. He was surprised that she could tell. Someone who had had this desk before, Micah had uh, gouged a sharp letter V into the corner of it. He had never noticed it before, but now he stared at it so that it wouldn't have to face Jenny or the knots. It's not a bad idea, only the one in the book was, you know, a lot bigger. She sounded like she was trying very hard to be positive. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw her pick at one of the knots with her bitten fingernails. And there were different colored strings, she said. And, well, these knots are all... Grandpa Ephraim, he whispered. The same. Jenny dug another fingernail into the knot as though she were going to pry it apart. Micah flung out his arm and snatched the string of knots from her hand so quickly that Jenny yelped. Hey! She rubbed her hands together. Micah's face felt hot. I'm sorry, okay, he muttered. I'll fix it tonight. I'll make it better. You can't make me do all the work, said Jenny. It's not fair. I'll fix it, I promise. He tucked the yarn carefully into the front pocket of his backpack. I hope so, she said. It doesn't look much like an artifact right now. There's something funny about those knots. Micah felt like she had punched him on the nose. It's not funny. Her brows drew together. Are you all right? Micah wasn't. He was shaking and he felt hot all over now. It's not funny, he said. He's dying. And that was chapter seven. Chapter eight, the whole plain truth. <coughs> Excuse me. Jenny's eyes widened. I mean, he's, Micah choked. What was wrong with him? Why had he said that? I mean, he's sick. He's very sick. Oh, Jenny said quietly. She leaned toward him. He leaned away. It's fine, okay? I'm sorry about the project. I didn't mean to say he was. He's just been sick. I can finish the quilt tonight. He couldn't stop blabbling. Micah? Jenny sounded worried. He shook his head at her. He didn't want to hear whatever she was going to say. I'm fine, completely fine. But his throat was tight and his eyes stung and he didn't, couldn't do this. Not here, not in front of everybody. It's just a stupid project. It's just homework. He's not dying. You can't cry like a little kid in the middle of class. Jenny jumped to her feet. The supply closet, she hissed. What? Micah croaked. But Jenny was already pulling him out of his seat and top speeding him toward the back of the classroom. The craft closet was tiny and dark and it smelled like glue. Jenny and Micah barely fit. Something that was probably an elbow hit him in the chin before Jenny managed to pull the chain that turned on the single light bulb. I don't think we're supposed to be in here together, Micah whispered. Are you okay? She was still twisting one of her braids around her finger. Her eyes were filled with worry. This is a good place for, I thought you were going to cry. I wasn't. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, she said. What? She trailed off. 
Micah knew by the way her lips pressed together that she was bottling up a hundred questions. He braced himself. She was going to ask him why his half of their project was a mess and who was sick and other painful things. He wasn't sure he could stand it. But after a moment, Jenny said, never mind. Micah blinked at her. She dropped her braid and clasped her hands in front of her skirt. I'll finish the project if you need me to. I'll tell Mrs. Stark you helped. Maybe it was because Jenny hadn't asked, or maybe it was because she was the kind of person who knew that the craft supply closet was a good place to hide when you were about to cry. Whatever the reason, Micah found himself telling her the truth. It's my grandfather who's sick. I didn't mean to forget about the presentation. Once he had told her that much, Micah didn't quite know how to stop. Jenny didn't interrupt while he talked about Grandpa Ephraim and Aunt Gertrudis and the horrible sound of the breathing machine. Everything came out of him in a rush like he was a punctured balloon. He even told her about Circus Mirandus and the Miracle. Jenny didn't say anything at first, and Micah became uncomfortably aware of the fact that he was standing beside a box full of Christmas tinsel, pouring his secret thoughts out to someone he barely knew. He could hear his classmates talking just feet away, their voices garbled through the door. I'm so sorry, Jenny said quietly. She sounded like she really meant it. About your grandfather and your aunt, that's horrible. Micah opened his mouth to say that it was all right, but it wasn't. Instead, he reached out, reached into his back pocket and pulled out the ripped copy of the letter he had taken from Grandpa Ephraim's room that night before. Jenny leaned back against a shelf full of pipe cleaners and read it. The light vendor, she said. I guess that's a stage name. Micah shrugged. I don't think he has another one. I don't mean to be rude, but wouldn't he be dead by now? If your grandfather met him when he was a boy, of course not. What? It's a magical circus, Micah explained. He's lived a very long time. It was only after Jenny started to shift uncomfortably from foot to foot that Micah realized how strange a phrase like magical circus sounded at school. You don't believe me. Of course she didn't. She probably thought he was crazy. Jenny shook her head. I don't think you're a liar. He, his smile looked nervous to Micah. Or excuse me. Her smile looked nervous to Micah. It's just, she said, well, I think you might have misunderstood what your grandfather was trying to tell you. He fought down the urge to snap at her. I didn't. Jenny stared with narrowed eyes at a spot a few inches above his head. After a minute, she said, I really will finish the project. You won't get in trouble that way. You should spend as much time as you can with him. I can't let you do that, Micah said automatically, but he wasn't sure he could finish it. After the way the knots had behaved today, he wasn't sure how anything, or he wasn't sure about anything. I can, I'll try to make it up to you somehow. She shook her head. When my grandfather found out she was, or my grandmother found out she was dying a couple of years ago, she told us she was going back to Mexico, to her hometown. She wanted to see it one last time. My dad, well, he didn't approve. He told her she was too old to make a trip like that, but she sold her house and her car and she went. She called me when she got there and she sounded so happy. Um, I was proud of her, Jenny exclaimed, explained. She got her dying wish. Things like that are important. It sounds like your grandfather's dying wish is to see this light vendor person one last time. Micah nodded for his miracle. The light vendor can make him better again. Jenny bit her lip. Micah, you know magic isn't real, right? Micah opened his mouth to say that of course he knew that. He didn't believe in dragons or leprechauns or witches. Those were just fairy tales, but Circus Moranis was different. The light vendor was different. Before he could say any of these things, though, Jenny was talking again. Your grandfather, maybe he just embellished the real story. Maybe there really was a circus and it was special to him. That's why he wrote the letter. Now that he's sick, he's trying to find the circus again. He didn't embellish. Grandpa Ephraim had told the whole plain truth. Oh, of course he did, Jenny cried. She glanced at the door and lowered her voice. He was trying to make the story more fun for you. He was trying to make it exciting and special. That's what grown-ups do when they tell stories to children. Micah tried to take a step back, but there was no room. He shook his head. You don't understand. 
Jenny's face scrunched with sympathy and Micah jerked her eyes away. What was he thinking? That a brainy girl like Jenny Mendoza would believe in uh, magicians and miracles? Just because she had been nice about the project? He shouldn't have told her. He should have known better. Micah? She was interrupted by the door swinging open. The sound of their classmates' chatter filled the closet. Florence stood in the doorway. What are you two doing in here? She asked suspiciously. Nothing, Jenny and Micah said at the same time. Well, I need some glue, so here. Jenny thrust a bottle of extra strong craft paste at her. We were having a private conversation about our project. No, we weren't, said Micah. He pushed past Florence and headed for his desk. Micah, wait a minute, Jenny called. He pretended not to hear her. And that is where we'll stop for today. Thanks for listening.